for those prayers. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, yeah. As always, it's great to be with you all. And um, Pastor Wei is at Hope for All Church today. Um, in case you're missing him, feel free to send him a text. Um, but I'm guessing that um, he might soon be, I don't know, joining um, Hope for All Church for lunch or something. But yeah, um, so it's really great to be with you all. And um, how many of you actually managed to catch the AY? C-E ice cream, all you can eat ice cream. No. Oh my goodness. Two very eager. <laughs> and is that Mona? Yeah. So, um, well, good on you. Um, yeah, I think everyone was like, wow, there's hope. All you can eat, eat ice cream. Everyone went after the first service. Um, I did not have any. I didn't think that I could still preach after eating a lot of ice cream. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you guys Got my big smiles there. Yeah, you guys got summoned. I'm glad that we are a church um, that gets to worship together and eat ice cream together. Um, yeah, so I'm going to jump straight in to uh, the sermon today. Uh, we are in week five of our Galatians series. And let's take a look at where we are at in the letter, just to give us uh, a sense of um, what we have done and... Um, just to locate, um, locate us in the letter. So, in the first week, Pastor Wade talked about being set free from the present evil age, and the source of this freedom is found only in who? Christ Jesus. Yes, I hear whisperings. In the second week, we looked at the thesis statement of the letter. That is, Jesus is all we need to be considered the true heir of Abraham. It is Jesus plus nothing. And week three, Pastor Wade took us through chapter 1, 13 to 24, showing us how Paul's view of God and ministry was reframed by his encounter with Jesus. And last week, week four, uh, Pastor Wade talked about how Paul resisted and called out those who wanted to suppress the freedom that believers had in Jesus Christ. And Ta-da, today. Today, we're going to see how Paul continues to defend the gospel, this time launching his um, reasoning from an earlier encounter he had with Jesus. Now, let's begin um, our time together um, by the reading of, with the reading of God's word. So, just FYI, Peter is referred to here by his Aramaic name, Kephas or Cephas. Depends on how you want to pronounce it. Okay, are we ready for God's word? Okay, so here we go. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs. 
We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Let us pray. God, we stand under your word, your life-giving word with open hands. And we, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be the one ministering, Lord, for what I lack in the speaking, in, in my words, Lord. We know that um, the Holy Spirit can do what I cannot do. So we look up to you. We welcome the Holy Spirit here. And um, yeah, we stand under your word. Amen. So, you know, my heart yearns to see a greater unity in the body of Christ. It breaks my heart when brothers and sisters break fellowship with one another over different causes and issues. Maybe some of you feel the same way. Just recently, quite recently, we saw Christians divide and break fellowship with one another over COVID practices. Over COVID policies, over the issue of vaccination. Would you say, or would you agree with me that we live in an increasingly polarized world? With people dividing over all kinds of lines and causes. And the Church of Christ is not immune to that either. We have different camps in the body of Christ. And it's funny how this is how I see it. Sometimes the command to love one another could, could look more like this. Love one another, provided they are in your camp. Or loving one another is often confused with tolerating one another. Did Jesus say, tolerate one another just as I have tolerated you? See, God cares about our individual relationship with him, upwards, vertically. But God also cares about the corporate relationship within the body of Christ, the horizontal ones. See, true Christian unity is a reflection of the true gospel. And in today's passage, Paul has some pretty important things to say about what true gospel unity uh, could look like and what we can do to be faithful to that. And although this letter has been written years ago, 
it is still relevant to us today. So I'm going to unpack the passage together. Um, and you know, Pastor Wei said last week that in this Galatian series, we are working through the whole book in a systematic manner, section by section, from the beginning of the letter to the end of the letter. Some people call this a book study. And it, for some of you, it could feel a little different from a sermon series where the focus is on a specific theme or topic, you know, with Bible references drawn from different places in the Bible um, to, to explore and support the theme. But both types of sermon series are important, and together they make us better students of the Word. See, doing a book study type sermon also forces us to wrestle with difficult passages, and Paul has so many of them. Um, like, what are you really talking about, right? Um, yeah, but it forces us to wrestle with that because we can't just skip over, you know, and choose the parts that we like. It's like, ah, this is so difficult. Let's just go to the fruit of the Spirit, you know, so we can't just skip over. Um, and so today, we're going to look at our passage, the one that we just read, um, in five different chunks. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. First, I'm going to try to explain the passage, okay? And afterwards, then we can think about, hmm, as a church, as fellow Christians, what can we do from what we have learned from the Word? Yeah? Okay, so let's look at this first chunk. See the red words there? Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. And then he decided not to. And then Paul called him out for his hypocrisy. Now, this may seem like, come on, it's just a meal. What's the big deal, right? But you see, in, in those days and in that culture, when you share a meal with someone, it's almost like entering into a covenant relationship. And if you decide to withdraw from eating together, you're sending a message of animosity, drawing a line. I liken it to clicking unfriend. I'm unfriending you. And you know what else makes Peter's action seem a little intense here? So God actually had shown Peter through Jesus and through a series of events that he could and should eat with the Gentiles. And this series of events is recorded for us in Acts chapters 10 and 11. Okay, I'm going to summarize for you. Okay, so one day when Peter was hungry and praying on the roof, he, he fell into a trance and God showed him something like a vision. Vision. And this vision has all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And God said to him, kill and eat. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. You know, non-kosher. And God said to Peter, don't call anything I made unclean. And God said, and God said it and repeated it. You know, three times he said it. And then the, then the vision went away, but the series of events continues. And so shortly after that, Peter was invited to the house of Cornelius, the centurion, a Gentile. And, and, and Peter made his way to the centurion's house. And when he got there, he began to tell Cornelius and his household about Jesus. And when he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and the household. I mean, you know, we have read it so many times. Okay, what's the big deal? What's the big deal, right? But this is what we are told in Acts. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out 
even on the Gentiles, even on Gentiles. Why even? So it's even on Brenda, right? Okay, Jenny is laughing. Even on you, Jenny. So why even? Can I ask you this question? Um, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, can you put your hands up? Okay, I'm glad to see many hands up. Okay, I'm going to reframe the question. If you have, if you have invited Jesus into your life, can you put your hands up? Okay, so I definitely see more hands the second time round than the first time round. See, when we have invited Jesus into our lives, He has given us the Holy Spirit. So it should be equal. See, the outpouring of the Spirit marks God's new creation and God's new family, which is centered around Jesus. And Peter knew that from his Bible, the Old Testament. And so for Peter, that was the ultimate like hit-home moment. It's like, whoa, whoa, what? What just happened? For so long, God's family has been marked by circumcision and the Jewish law. And now, wait, 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 the Gentiles, they are not circumcised. And wait, what? They received the Holy Spirit? Seriously? They have been included in God's family without having to be circumcised. What a moment that was for Peter. And Peter said these very important words. Again, I think these are the words that we flip, flip, flip. And then we just, you know, quickly uh, rush through. Acts 10, 47. Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And this one here in chapter 11. So if God gave them the same gift, the Holy Spirit, he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? See, Peter knew God's heart, but out of fear and perhaps a tiny, weeny moment of weakness, he succumbed to peer pressure. He wanted to be seen with the right crowd. And sometimes, you know, we do that too, don't we? Like deep down inside, we know what the right thing to do is, but we just don't want to give people the wrong impression, mixing with the, the other crowd, whatever that might be. And so, what, and so Paul was livid, you know, like, what hypocrisy? And so he writes this. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Easy to understand? I didn't think so. Well, let me try to uh, explain that. So what Paul means here is that since Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, he had already begun to live in a Gentile environment, eating food prepared by Gentile Christians, non-kosher. And so Paul is saying, you are a Jew already living like a non-Jew. What right do you have to require the Gentiles to live like a Jew now just because you want to impress your old Jerusalem friends? Basically saying, you hypocrite. See, Paul's strong reaction, Paul's reaction is so strong because this is a gospel issue for him. And how is that? A gospel issue, I mean, you're just eating together, right? It's just deciding to eat with this group and that, not that group. We do that all the time anyway. Why is that a gospel issue? Oops. 
Okay, let me read that to you. So, 2.15, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when I first began to read the Bible as a younger, as a young teenager, I used to get very offended by references like sinful Gentiles. Or Gentiles being called sinners just because they are Gentiles. Do you think that was fair? I mean, I would be reading, I was like, but I'm a Gentile. Why, 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 why am I sinful just because I'm a Gentile? So, um, in case, just in case you have felt the same way, um, just know that sinners in the Jewish world mostly refer to people who do not practice the Jewish law. And this, this um, section here, um, one very important expression in this section here is this part that is about being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And this is very critical to this whole passage, very critical to the entire letter. So you, I'm guessing that you know, most of us here are very familiar with um, thinking about this as, okay, so by your faith in Christ alone, not by your efforts, you're made right with God, right? Okay, let me. But there is another dimension, which is what Paul is really getting at here in Galatians, which I actually believe that if we take that seriously, like seriously, um, our Christian unity may look different. And what is that, you may ask? See, justified by faith also means that by our faith in Christ alone, and not by any other markers or requirements, we have become a full-fledged member of God's family. To add anything, anything else to this is to say that Jesus is not enough. And that makes it a gospel issue for Paul, where we make people feel like they can only truly belong if they have Jesus and the right skin color, or Jesus and the right political view, or Jesus and the right socioeconomic class, we are preaching a false gospel. And so for Paul to want to reintroduce the Jewish law, that's adding something. He says that if the Jewish Christians want to reintroduce the Jewish law, then they are the real lawbreakers because they are reinstituting what Christ has abolished. Again, that would be saying, Jesus is not enough. And if Jesus is not enough, it is not the gospel. If Jesus is not enough, what's so good about the good news anyway? Church, Christian unity is the most basic and most true expression of the gospel. It is by the church living as the one believing community that the world knows that Jesus is Lord and the powers are not. God created one new family in Jesus Christ, not two families, not three families, each doing their own thing. You know, as I was reflecting on this, um, I was also thinking about what could I do? What could I do um, to, to honor Jesus in all of this? And I, I'm not giving you guys uh, this as a solution. But, you know, I thought long and hard about it. 
And I wonder, um, as I was thinking, whether we could begin by really considering everyone who has a relationship with Jesus, a brother or a sister, no matter what views they might hold. See, I mean, as you can see, I am a pastor and female. And there's a group of Christians who are not persuaded that a female can be or should be a pastor. And the, the general label used to describe this group of Christians is complementarians. See, I could either keep on referring to them as the complementarians, or I can begin to think of them as my brothers and my sisters. I mean, do you think that could make a difference if I begin to be thinking like that? See, by adhering to the label complementarians, I'm highlighting the difference between us. They become them. But perhaps by calling them my brothers and my sisters, I could begin to think about what we have in common and start from the posture of we and us. Is that going to be easy? Definitely not. It's, I've been swimming in you know, the water for a while, and I know that it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. But that's, and, and does that mean that we just don't go there when it comes to things we don't agree on? No. Does that mean that we could solve our differences on this side of heaven? No. God could, but this side of heaven, um, new creation is not fully here. But we are called to first consider one another as a brother or a sister before the other things that define us. What might be a group of believers that it's hard for you to call my brothers or my sisters? You know, it is not easy. Honestly, it's not easy. And there is no shortcut. In order to be able to fully embrace one another and not just tolerate, and sometimes we don't even tolerate, and not just tolerate, we need to be intentional about living out our identity in Christ. Like Paul, we also have been crucified with Christ. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Christ by his spirit lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul died to the law. The law no longer defines him. His trust is no longer in the law. His identity is now defined by Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in him. Christ is enough for him. Christ loved him and gave himself for him. And he seeks to live fully into that grace and that love. Christ loves you and gave himself for you. He did not just tolerate you. I, it, it scares me to think that if Christ, if Jesus is tolerating me, I mean, he, he loves me so much and that has been my, my, my security for so long. It's like, I, 
and, the, and I want to live fully, more fully into that, knowing that He loves me fully. He gave Himself for me fully. See, God is, Jesus is inviting you to allow Him to be enough for you, to let Him take over. See, when we experience just how much He loves us again and again and again, only when we let ourselves experience His grace for us can we truly begin to extend that love and that, and that embrace to our brothers and sisters, especially those in the other camps. <laughs>